All right. Welcome back to the Mike Smith Show. John Jang here with you filling in. Mike will be back with you uh, next week, but it's just after 10, which means, of course, time for Keith Baldry to be joining us, Global News Legislative Bureau Chief. Good morning, Keith. Hi, John. Uh, I feel, Keith, like it's just going to be a busy time for Elections BC. So let's get right into it. We're a month out from the elections. Uh, One of the things that you're looking at right now is Elections BC investigating whether or not a BC NDP leadership candidate violated some rules with an environmental group. What's going on here, Keith? Yeah, interesting piece by Rob Shaw from Check TV, uh, NW contributor. It's got a piece out uh, Elections BC is investigating the Dog, Dogwood BC, an environmental group, for po- possible contraventions of the Elections Act in trying to get um, Anjali Apadurai elected as the leader of the NDP. And this is uh, this is going to be fascinating. I think the NDP establishment view her is basically mounting a hostile takeover of the party. Mm. She opposes the party and the government on so many issues. It's basically almost the Green Party trying to take over the NDP. And now uh, Elections BC are confirming they're investigating the Dogwood BC Environmental Group for getting involved in terms of uh, using their resources in a way that may be in violation of the Elections Act with using call centers, uh, training people to use their software and online ads and stuff uh, to get her elected. So this may be an excuse for the NDP to jettison her as a candidate. Hmm. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch how this unfolds. I've talked to a number of uh, members of the NDP caucus, John, who say they would find it unfathomable for her to be leader of the party, that it would be a case of a, a leader being out of step with the entire caucus. Uh, she, I don't think she would survive a caucus confidence vote. I don't see how she would actually be able to insert herself into a group of people who have been running the government for five years. It's fascinating to watch, though. We've never seen anything like this. It's uh, it's going to raise some very interesting legal ch- uh, issues. Right. But we'll see how this goes. I think the party's looking for a way to jettison her candidacy because there are rumors out there that Dogwood BC and other other environmental organizations that are very well organized, and this is basically about a membership sign-up contest between her and David Eby have been able to muster the resources to sign up potentially more people than David Eby has Hmm. and therefore could swing the election her way. I find this so fascinating because I recall, Anjali, she ran as a federal NDP in the last federal election. I don't recall a whole ton of people getting too involved from the federal and then immediately to the provincial level when the opportunity arises. Yeah, the stakes were different then. So she ran in Vancouver Granville and she almost won. You know, she came very close to defeating the Liberal candidate there. Um, but again, when you're running federally for the NDP, the stakes aren't very high. You're mm. not forming government. You're not joining a group, a party that's going to form government. Fair. Uh, it's an opposition party. It for, will forever be an opposition party in, in the federal level. Provincial, completely different. Not only running for a party that has a, always a good shot at forming government, but she's running to be the leader of the party. And that's the extraordinary situation where um, the NDP finds itself in now with facing what I, again, call the potential for a hostile takeover of the party from an outside force that is more in line with the B.C. Green Party than the NDP. And that's why it's got a lot of New Democrats very nervous right now. Yeah, yeah, I think this uh, unprecedented is the word you chose. I think this sums it up very nicely. Uh, Her campaign has been off to a rocky start, so to speak, but uh, it's certainly going to be very fascinating to watch as the next days and weeks unravel. Staying with Elections BC here, Keith, uh, they are now also investigating a separate matter, or rather going to the courts. Take a listen to this. A controversy over names on ballots 
votes in the Vancouver election. I just thought it was really shocking and I was in total disbelief. Susie Ma is preparing for a fight she didn't see coming. She's one of 15 candidates in the upcoming Vancouver civic election who found out Tuesday night they're being taken to court Thursday by the chief election officer. I really think this is a toxic process. This is my first time campaigning and I think there's a lot of strategies being used and I think this is unfair and it's not healthy and I think it would discourage a lot of people from running. Keith, uh, this one is really, really quite interesting to me. Um, for those that may, may not be so familiar with my background, I was born in Korea, so I have a natural Korean given name. Of course, I'm not running for anything except for the, the fridge every now and then. So it's interesting, like I, I see the point of putting your Korean or Chinese or Persian name on the signs, but I guess this is where Elections BC is saying, no, 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 you have to follow the rules. Well, yeah, their rules are they can only be anglicized names, and I'm not sure this is um, in keeping with the modern day reality mm-hmm. where you've got such a diverse ethnic community, not only in Vancouver, but right around Metro Vancouver, where the ethnic communities are so predominant in so many areas that why should not their traditional use of language be reflected on the ballot? And this is this has sort of come out of... Well, it hasn't come out of the blue. It's been building. I mean, this right. issue has come up in the past, but now we're going, actually going to court to prevent non-anglicized names from appearing on the ballot is uh, is interesting. But the, the whole issue of cultural diversity and ethnic diversity has come risen to the fore like never before, in particularly in politics, where, you, again, the days of being sort of this anglicized, uh, non-diverse community mm-hmm. are basically over for, for many political parties and political constituents. So it's interesting Elections BC decides to get in. Elections BC, just like other electoral institutions, are very traditionally hidebound, where they don't like a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, moving parts. Everything has to be sort of a monolithic, one-size-fits-all right, approach. Right. And I wonder whether that's going to withstand a court challenge. Yeah, and I, I think you're absolutely right and bang on with that, Keith. I mean, the demographics of the Lower Mainland and B.C. in itself changing rapidly year over year. And uh, we're seeing all the different cultures that make up the body of B.C.'s population. So. Yep. Over the next many generations to come, there's going to be more candidates that are going to run that weren't born in Canada, that have uh, names of different backgrounds. That's playing out at the provincial level. We saw that in the last couple of provincial elections where the B.C. Liberals, by not being as diverse, anywhere near as diverse culturally and gender-wise as the NDP, uh, lost their way in Metro Vancouver and have now been shunted out to the sort of rural areas of British Columbia. Now they're trying to claw their way back into Metro Vancouver mm-hmm. by r- trying to attract more diverse candidates on and diversity on a number of levels. You cannot simply be like the old social credit party, which was just older white men uh, running for election. Those days are over. Yeah, I think the it's, times are modernizing. I think it's the simple way to put it. Yep. So we'll see exactly what happens with this legal case. But I'll be personally very interested to see uh, the, the I suppose, the final verdict of that, because I think mm-hmm. it would have an impact on whether or not I want my kids running for office one day. But oh, good point. Uh, time will tell. Uh, final point here before we take a break here, Keith. Uh, Dr. Anna Wolak, of course, she's been an outspoken guest uh, speaking on the many issues facing the medical uh, health care workers over the past uh, couple of years. Uh, take a listen to this, saying physicians are now scrambling to find child care for the national holiday coming up on Monday. A lot of physicians on social media were already starting to have 
little panic attacks because everybody has full clinics. It's three to four days away, and we know that it's going to be impossible to find childcare. Uh, this one, I think, is going to be a, a very interesting story again to follow here, Keith. But heading into Monday, there's going to be a lot of parents out there, too, that are finding yep. themselves in a similar situation. A lot of confusion about this. This was sprung on everyone with very short notice, no planning. In fact, talking to the provincial government, when, when the Prime Minister announced this, my first take from the government was, I don't think we're going to get involved in this. Second take was, it looks like we're going to have to get involved. <laughs> so uh, this is making it up as you go along. Uh, I think the biggest impact, obviously, on the K-12 school system, particularly parents of young kids, they're going to have to scramble. Uh, the doctor makes a good point. I'm not sure how many people, how many physicians fall into this category with young kids who need child care. Um, a lot of uh, parents are just going to have to keep, you know, their their 11 and 12 year olds home on their own, presumably, mm-hmm. or their young teens. So I don't, th- I don't think it's going to be as big a deal as people are making it out to be. It's just one day. Sometimes you have to scramble for unforeseen circumstances on a number of fronts, whether it's childcare or something else. But it's going to cause confusion and disruption in people's lives, no question. But I don't think it's going. It's certainly not the end of the world. Welcome back to the Mike Smith Show. John Jang here with you this morning as we're sitting exactly one month away from the 2022 civic elections. Uh, Keith Baldry joining us as we continue Baldry's beat. He's Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. And Keith, uh, as we continue on with some of the stories that are perking here over the past 24 hours, we look at the Conservative Party of Canada. Take a listen to this. Tom Mulcair on Pierre Polyev's text campaign against a now former member of the Conservative Party. And they're actually organizing people. They're harassing him. They're get, giving his phone numbers in, at the offices and saying, phone and tell him to resign. So this is unbelievable behavior from a party leader who's also the leader of the opposition. But I guess... Uh, We should all get used to it because this is going to be life in politics with Pierre Poirier. Of course, Tom Mulcair, the former leader of the federal NDP. Now, I want to come to you here with this, Keith, because it feels like, of course, we know Pierre Poirier, a very polarizing figure. Uh, Those within the Conservative caucus, if you will, who supported other potential candidates to be leader, are we going to see like a mass exodus of these individuals resigning or do we sense solidarity in that party? Oh, I don't think there's solidarity, but I also don't think you're going to see a mass exodus. Um, Somewhere right in the middle. Yeah, I mean, Polyev and his people um, play nasty, play tough. Uh, they like to pick. They like to create enemies and pit them against their their core group. That and get, paint the picture that these people are out to get me. Uh, we saw that with uh, the now infamous encounter with David Aiken of Global News, right. where suddenly the media is out to get me, uh, using that as a fundraising tool. Anyone who opposes him in that caucus is going to be met with a fairly brutal and nasty response. And we're seeing it with this individual in Quebec saying he wants no part of Pierre Polyev. But we're entering a new level of, of nastiness in politics. The next campaign, I think, is probably going to be the most negative and nastiest mm-hmm. one. You're going to see the Trudeau Liberals go very negative on Poliev. You're going to see Poliev continue his extreme negativity and right-wing politics. Um, we're drifting, I think, towards a U.S.-style level of politics where incredibly negative ads, personal attacks, 
and extremism. Uh, and it's, uh, it's not, not going to be pretty to watch at times, but it's going to be fascinating to watch. Let, let me dive a little deeper into that, because the U.S. politics, of course, a two-party system, Democrats versus Republicans here in Canada. We have a multi-party system. That means the NDP, Jagmeet Singh, find themselves in the middle. If this is a nasty federal election that you're sensing, where do the NDP sit? Well, you can look at those two ways, John. Either they get squeezed and and disappear in terms of, a, of relevance for people, that it's really going to be one or the other. Mm. Or they benefit from people saying, you know, I don't like either of these guys behaving like this. I'm going to go with a more safer route. I don't think anyone really knows the answer to this, but I think the NDP is most vulnerable uh, in the upcoming federal election. Or, well, not it's not upcoming, it's still a few years away. Right. But I think they're the ones with the most to lose here. If we go to two uh, columns here, two extreme points, uh, the one in the middle gets squeezed, and that would be the NDP. Uh, I was joking with uh, Simi Sarah this morning. I would uh, happily vote for the Mike Smith party. So if you'd like to join me, sir, I think we'll get that going. Uh, but I'll have, to, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, final story here for the day. Uh, this one, huge. I woke up and I was feeling excited to do this show here today, Keith, and then I got hit with this buzzkill. Roger Federer says it's time to hang up the racket. Take a listen. I've worked hard to return to full competitive form, but I also know my body's capacities and limits and its message to me lately has been clear. I am 41 years old. I've played more than 1,500 matches over 24 years. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt. And now I must recognize when it is time to end my competitive career. Say it ain't so, Roger Argu- Federer. Arguably the classiest athlete of any yes. sport we've ever seen. Um, tennis used to be a big thing around here, John, at the legislature. We used, to have, have a, oh. we used to have a doubles tennis tournament for years, pitting politicians and civil servants versus the press gallery. It was, went on for probably 15 years. So, so how, is, how is Keith Baldry's backhand? Backhand, not as strong as I have a... Almost, I wouldn't say world class, but I have a, an A game <laughs> forehand. But I haven't. My knees are shot. I'm unfortunately looking at pickleball, maybe down okay. the road. But I'm not okay. going there yet. So tennis is still the game. Yeah, I mean, look, pickleball one of the fastest growing sports in Canada. It is. So and even young people. Yeah, my daughter. You know, I've got a daughter who's 30 years old. Playing her friends play it. So it's a it's a it's a sport. And it's not just for the older generation. Staying with the other pickle, uh, of course, Roger Federer walking away from the game. Nobody wins from this, but I no. think he's earned the right to, of course, call it when he wants to. I will say this, though, Keith, the Labor Cup, which is a tournament that Roger Federer helped create, um, the one that he's going to be retiring after the end of this year's edition in late September, the Labor Cup is coming to Vancouver next year. Tennis is, a, is becoming a very big sport in, in uh, Canada, not only just in terms of participation, but young Canadians are starting to not dominate, but certainly starting to make their mark right. in the pro circuit on a number of levels, both men and women. It's great to see. Bianca Andreescu, Denis Shapovalov, Felix yep. Ogier-Lassim. I mean, the list goes on and on. Unfortunately, Keith Baldry chose to follow a different career path, but we thank him for that because that's how we get the, the, one, the wonderful, the one and only Keith, uh, Keith Baldry and the Baldry Speeds. Talk to you tomorrow.